Well, Jets fans, we welcome you to the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Service in these strange times, to say the least. This is not normally the uh, off-season tearful reunion that myself, Bob Shoes, and, and Marty Lyons would have, but Marty, this is our chance to see each other virtually because um, we're all right now uh, trying to deal with a brand new normal. How are you holding up? You know what, Bob? I'm doing well. Uh, every morning I get up, I have a conference call with the people over at Lantec. We're all working remotely from home. And, uh, you know, we still have our guys out there on the field, but, you know, you, you just have to be patient and be understanding that, you know, it's not just your life you're worried about. You're worried about your loved ones and even the strangers that you meet along the way. You know, you don't want to infect them with a virus or get infected and then bring it at home. So you're exactly right. This is is not the normal, but hopefully sooner or later we'll be back to it. How are all the kids holding up? Everyone's doing well, Bob. You know, uh, I've got two boys that are doctors. As a matter of fact, Rocky just got out of quarantine down in Alabama. Uh, he actually diagnosed somebody down there with uh, coronavirus. So he tested negative. Uh, Jesse's working hard down in um, South Carolina. Megan is she's kind of removed because she's a school teacher and Luke is still going to work every day at Lockheed Martin. So knock on wood, everybody's healthy and you know, you thank God for another day of uh, an opportunity to make something out of your life. Yeah. I mean, we're doing the same, holding up as best we can here. Uh, five kids all in the house, trapped, house arrest together, uh, maximum family togetherness. Right now, the way I keep describing it to people is um, I've broken up a few, I guess what you would call like misdemeanor assaults. No one has committed a felony as of yet, but um, we're only about 10 days into what could be a long quarantine. So uh, we'll say one, one note, and hopefully Jet fans can appreciate this. Uh, my wife, as we speak, is at a local college, head to toe, basically in a hazmat suit, she, of course, is a registered nurse. We have a friend around the corner, a really good friend of ours that's also a registered nurse. And the two of them were basically feeling guilty, you know, like kind of tending to their own families. But so many of, the, of people that they know that have regular nursing jobs, certainly in hotel, in, a, in a hospitals and in, you know, emergency rooms were being called upon to deal with this day by day, night by night. And so they called up another friend of ours in the local prosecutor's office and said, how can we help? And she immediately put the two of them in touch with uh, a local contact and they are volunteering at one of the New Jersey drive up testing sites. So, you know, for free, they're going to go there as many times as they're asked and put on all that protective gear and risk whatever health, you know, they may have. And, and who knows what they might bring home. But it's certainly worth it trying to help so many people that right now are just trying to get tested. Really is, Bob. I think everybody can do their part, you know, whether it's what Julie's doing or what you and I are doing just by staying at home. Everybody has to do their part. And as frustrating as it is, you know, we're actually saving lives. And if we can flatten that curve and find an answer to what's happening out there, and it's going to be a better result for all of us. But uh, everybody has to be patient. They have to be understanding. And uh, you just have to realize that you can make a difference. And to make a difference, all you have to do is care and you know, all you have to do is stay at home, stay at home and do your work and go out as little as possible and have as little as contact with other people as possible. And, 
like everybody says, we'll make it through it. We made it through 9-11. We've made it through hurricanes. We made it through other difficult times in this nation. And this definitely is one that, you know, we'll be able to tell our grandchildren about. Yeah. I, somebody actually posted something funny, you know, kind of one last note on this before we move on to football and maybe give people a distraction. But uh, someone posted something funny to me the other day that, you know, 15, 20 years from now, our kids will have kids and it will be maybe a sunny Saturday afternoon and the kids, their kids will be inside going, oh, my God, I'm so bored. I want to go out. Like, I don't know. There's nothing to do. And our kids will turn to them and be like, let me tell you about the time I was trapped in my house for eight weeks with my family. You get your butt outside. And this, you know, like this will be their moment, uh, as it was described. This is like their I'm going to walk uphill both ways in two feet of snow moment, you know, where they're going like, to you can almost hear them as cranky parents someday yelling at their kids about what they're going through right now. Well, you can take it that way, Bobby, or you can take it as quality time. I know you're on the road quite a bit during this part of the year or just finishing up basketball season. Basketball was canceled. So you got to spend some quality time with the kids playing in hide and go seek. And you get to see everyday life that Julie has to put up with. So <laughs> I'm sure it opened your eyes a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I'm describing it as best I can as quality time. I don't think they're describing it that way. <laughs> That's the way I'll describe it. Yeah, uh, exactly. hey, look, if, if we can spin it to football, because, you know, certainly if you're a Jet fan, this, this should be something that distracts you. And people keep texting me and asking me, what do you think so far? So I'll just throw it at you, kind of wide angle lens. And we can kind of go through everything the Jets have done and what they still have to do. But what's your overall take on the way Joe Douglas has approached the offseason so far? Well, you know what, Bobby? I like what he's doing. I think he's rebuilding that offensive line. He's going to bring in probably five new starters. When you look at the performance of that offensive line last year, they struggled. And they struggled because of injuries. Eleven times out of 16 games, they had different different lineups in. So you have to build the chemistry. You have to have the good luck on your side where you don't get injured. But when you look at an offense that only produced 17.3 points per game, that's 31st in the NFL. You're not going to win many games. The other stat that sticks out to you is they allowed 52 sacks. That's way too many in a 16-game schedule. And when your defense is out there trying to shut down the opposing offense and they're giving up 22 points uh, per game, that's why you're 7-9. and nine. So I think, number one, you got to build that offensive line. you got to build the chemistry. you got to build that continuity. And these guys have got to play and practice together so they get a sense of, okay, how long do we have to hold our uh, blocks for Le'Veon Bell? You know, you look at Le'Veon Bell, 15 games last year. He only had 789 yards. That's not a typical Le'Veon Bell year. But the problem was, and you and I talked about it many times, you would see the hole open, and then because of his style of running, making a jump cut in the backfield, by the time he got to the hole, the hole was closed. So I like what Joe's doing, building it with the offensive line. Now he's going to have to go out and find some skilled players to help Sam Darnold. Yep. What I also like, though, is he is still approaching this for the long term. 
He has not given anybody in this free agent market, I think, what anybody would consider an exorbitant contract. Most of the financial commitments can be just re-racked and start over next year. So he has rebuilt the offensive line, and I still think the biggest acquisition that they'll make will be in the draft. I don't think they're done building the offensive line. I don't think the group they've got right now is going to be the group. I personally would be very surprised if one of those tackles is there at 11 that they, they don't take them. I mean, I still think that they have clearly left a hole at starting tackle um, where, you know, if, if you were going to tell me right now, predict who their starters will be, I think Van Roten and, and Alex Lewis will be the starting guards. I think George Fant will probably be at one tackle. I think Connor McGovern is going to be the starting center. And I think their draft choice, whichever of those tackles in the first round that they take will be the other starting tackle. So if you count Lewis as a new player, is that somebody that Joe Douglas brought in last year? Um, he played, 12 games, I think, last season. So you certainly got a chunk of time on the offensive line this year. But if you count him as a pseudo new player because he's someone Joe Douglas brought in, that will be a completely remade offensive line by Joe Douglas in one year. And and I think he's doing exactly what he said he was good. Every time I've talked to him, and I know you've had some conversations with, with Joe as well, he's made several points. He's a former offensive lineman. So he really believes that the game is still won and lost at the line of scrimmage. He was going to remake the offensive line, but he was never going to look at free agency as the quick fix. He was never going to go out and be a free spender. He was going to be someone that was going to set a value to a player. If the player could be had at the value they think is worth it, they would get that player. If the player exceeds the value, then they're not going to overpay. And I think that's what we saw with Robbie Anderson as well. They were going to be disciplined. They were going to offer the contract they thought was fair. If it didn't work out, they move on to the next guy. And the second wave of free agency, which is where they made most of their acquisitions, that's normally where you get bargain players. And that's what they got. But the fact that he has not overspent in free agency is building the offensive line, but I think really still believes that the draft is how you truly build your team back up. I mean, everything that he's done is, I think, exactly the way he said he was going to do it all of the times that I've had a chance to talk to him. You probably feel the same way. I know you've had a chance to to spend some time chatting with him before games also. Yeah, you know what, Bobby? I like Joe Douglas. I think coming off that tree of Ozzie Newsome, he learned a lot by staying down there in Baltimore and then going out to Chicago and then to Denver and then, you know, what he built down there for the Eagles. He's just done a tremendous job. Excuse me. Uh, But I think the big difference is now that there's a line of communication open between your GM and your coaches and Adam Gaze, the, you know, the head coach and your, your scouting department. You just don't have a GM behind closed doors making decisions without the input of the coaching staff. And I think that puts everybody on the same page. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And, um, you know, he has even gone out and gotten a couple of guys defensively, adding a Wasser, the linebacker, um, this week as well, that uh, I, I think he's doing whatever he can to get players that he thinks can be, whether it's kind of a quote-unquote the way Bill Parcells used to describe them, hold the fort guys, or guys like he did with Pierre Desir, the, the, the corner that was uh, let go by Indy, you know, bring a guy in and show me. Show me you're worth more than what we're going to give you for one year. You're going to have a lot of very motivated players that are on 
either literally one-year contracts or pseudo one-year contracts because they can be let go next year without the Jets really owing them anything. You're going to have a draft class that's going to compete with some of these guys. And I think that, you know, Joe Douglas is looking at this. I've said this before. Jet fans want to hear the word rebuild and they want to hear the word patience the way that like a a four-year-old wants to see broccoli on their dinner plate. They don't want to see it. It doesn't taste good. They'd rather have brownies and ice cream, but the broccoli is good for them and you have to eat it. And even if you don't like it, it's kind of the way it goes. This is what the, these are the vitamins that you have to have in your body to become, you know, a, a, a bigger, stronger person. Kind of the way the draft has to be the broccoli. You've got to eat that. You've got to have that kind of infuse a football team with young players that now become your foundation. And you can tell with what Joe Douglas is doing right now in the first year of personally for him, a six year contract, he is sending the message to Jet fans that just because. John Idzik's rebuild and Mike McCagnan's rebuild didn't work, doesn't A, become his fault, and B, doesn't change the fact that they have to rebuild. That over the last six or seven years, the the draft hasn't produced more than a handful of legitimate players for the Jets. And You know, nine times out of 10, a team that either competes for a championship or even is, you know, a a regular participant in the playoffs. The foundation of all of that comes from the draft and comes from drafting those players and developing them on your roster. And he he still, I think, is being very disciplined at taking that longer view. Well, you know, one thing I know, Bob, you've been home too long and around the kids too often, you know, because now you're you're looking at free agency like broccoli. I tried my <laughs> wife tried to feed me broccoli for the last three days. I can eat it once. That's it. I don't want it two nights in a row. Maybe it's good for me. No, I don't want broccoli two weeks and two nights in a row. But, you know, I, I think Joe Douglas is he's got a handle on it. And for what the team did in the second part of the season, they started off one and seven. And, you know, you lose Sam Darnold and then you lose C.J. Mosley. And, of course, during the preseason, you lose Avery Williamson. You know, you lost so much on that defensive side of the ball. And think about the job that Greg Williams did as the defense coordinator. The big number that sits sits with me, Bobby, is only 35 sacks. And, Only a third of those coming from the defensive line. They've got to find a way to get those guys up front to get to the quarterback. Nobody's going to be as fortunate as the team that I played on when you had Mark Gaston on one side, Joe Klecko on the other. They both come up with 20 sacks. You can't double team them both. So Abdul and I, all we had to do was tie up the middle and we got our share of sacks. But somehow you're going to have to find a defensive lineman or two that can beat it, beat the guy in front of them one-on-one. Uh, you have a guy in Greg Williams that's going to take the best personnel and he's going to play them. He doesn't care who you are. He's going to take the good players and make them great, the great players and make them superstars. Look what he did for with Jamal Adams last year. Putting him up on the line of scrimmage, comes away with six and a half sacks, had the best year of his career. But Greg has that tendency – if you're not going to play, if you're not going to compete, guess what? You're not going to play. Bob Shoes and Marty Lyons on the official Jets podcast. And obviously you can, uh, you know, join us on the official Jets podcast, wherever you download your podcasts. And, you know, it's it's also really interesting, I think, wondering what all of this should and ought to mean for Sam Darnold. You know, there's such a trickle down effect of if the offensive line is better, 
that makes the running game that much more effective for Le'Veon Bell. If the running game is that much more effective for Le'Veon Bell, how much more effective Sam Darnold can be. He's so good play action, misdirection, moving him out of the pocket, all of the different things you can do when it when a defense is afraid of the run game. And if he just has some health around him as well. I mean, think of the two tight ends the Jets should start the year next year with if Chris Herndon can come back and be a healthy player. And the other thing I think the Jets will do, um, you know, the, we've been talking about some of these, you know, kind of low impact, one-year commitment, prove-it-to-me contracts that they've signed. Rashad Perriman, who comes in at receiver, with 30 or so less targets than Robbie Anderson last year and still produced basically the same numbers that Robbie Anderson put up. He comes in on a one-year contract. I fully expect the Jets with the 11th pick to take a tackle, but I also fully expect that with their second-round pick and maybe one of the third-round picks, I think they're going to look at those spots at wide receiver as well because this is a draft where wide receiver may be as deep as it's ever been. I mean, this is a transformational group at wide receiver where you're going to get a first-round talent in the second or third round. Um, you know, uh, you think about in totality what all of this could mean for Sam Darnold um, in in his third year. And, you know, th- this should be a year where he, A, has to stay healthy and play 16 games. We haven't seen that yet. But B, should take a step to a different level than we've seen him play at so far. Yo, know Bobby, I think he has to take that step. He only played in 13 games last year, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And when you look at the timing of some of those interceptions, you just kind of hold your head and go, no, why did you throw that? But he's going to learn. I think that he's got the command of the huddle. He's got the respect of his teammates. And I really think he's stepping up in the locker room to become a voice and be one of those leaders. But, you know, this is not one of those years where we say, hey, Sam, you got to do it. You know what? It's your third season. You were a number one draft choice. You got to go out there and play. Big thing is, if you're not healthy, you know what? You only play 13 games. Last year, you know, when you come down with mono after the first game, you have a 16 point lead against Buffalo in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, you start to get a little bit more fatigued than you felt, you know, in the third quarter, and then you get banged up, and then you don't play for a couple weeks. You know, that happens. So I think you can't look in the past. We just got to look in the forward. I think uh, everybody should be excited about this year. It all depends, too, Bobby, about how quick they can get into camp, how quick that they can start working together, get everybody on that same page. I don't like the collective bargaining. I don't like the way the Jets have gone into the preseason games and how they approached it with – a lot of guys not playing, not get, building that chemistry. And then all of a sudden, week one, you're throw, supposed to throw it in there like a light switch, turn it on. You need to get in playing shape, whether it's one quarter or two quarter. And play in the first three preseason games. Then you want to sit out in the fourth, okay. But you got to get playing time, especially when you have so many new faces. Yeah, and I think the point you made about the offensive line specifically Like, to me, that's going to be a huge – I don't know how you would approach this if you were coaching the offensive line, but if I gave you five new guys and I said, all right, not only have you guys never played collectively before, but we're going to collapse the offseason and we're going to give you, instead of X number of practices, take that and cut it in half. 
or instead of, I mean, who knows how deep into the offseason we're going to go before we're all told you can go back to normal. You guys can all be around each other. You can play a contact sport. It's safe. So just for the sake of argument, if this drags into summer and training camp gets cut in half or maybe the preseason gets cut in half, how would you approach that with the offensive line, knowing that those five guys have to have chemistry that's different than anybody, probably any other position group on the field? Well, first of all, I'd get them in their playbooks right now so that they know the terminology, they know the plays, and all you have to do is eventually, you know, walk your way through the playbook so that you understand the different terminology, you understand what you're supposed to be doing when a certain play is called. You can never have a game situation at practice. They just don't practice that way anymore. You know, it's, I don't want to say it's two hand touch, but there's no really, you know, you got the, the guys up front trying to make a hit and then you got a running back running through a hole and then he keeps running. Well, those days of, of hard nosed practices are, are, are done. So I don't know how you learn how to run and how you learn how to tackle unless you practice it and, Unfortunately, that's when you start a season, you see a lot of missed tackles. You see a lot of broken plays. But to win in the NFL, you got to start fast and you got to finish strong. And, you know, we're going into our 19th gear together, Bobby. And, you know, one in seven at the halfway point, you kind of say, well, we're playing this year out, you know, because even if you go eight, no, nine and seven is not going to do much in the AFC. And especially in the AFC East, now that Tom Brady's gone, you know, that opens the door to everybody else saying, well, Tom Brady was New England Patriots. That's why they kept winning. He's not there anymore. There's no more excuses. Maybe it's Bill Belichick's system, but you have an opportunity to go out there and perform and to be at the top of the AFC East. But right now, I think Buffalo is might be that team that you we should all be worried about. 19 years in, we still like each other. Yeah, that's right. I remember 19 years ago when we did our first game down in Baltimore. It was a preseason game. And, you know, it was uh, I didn't know you. I had listened to you when you were on the fan. And, you know, now to see us together 19 years later, to see the families be able to come close and see the kids grow up. I mean, that is something special. And I think that's what the game brings to uh, each individual. They It brings memories. It brings uh you know, that camaraderie around with one another, you know, in the locker room. And I think that's what everybody misses right now is being around, you know, teammates, because there's no better teammate than to sit around and you tell stories and you start to talk about families and you start to talk about, wow, 19 years already. Where did it all go? Yeah. And, and we all just want sports to come back. Not just football, but I mean, sports, you know, after 9-11, I think was so important to the healing of the city. Um, during the, the crash in 2008 and 2009, sports gave you a distraction every day and every night to kind of get away from, you know, uh, you know, you didn't have to look at your 401k every day because you had a game to watch and that would distract you for a little while. And right now, A, we are all going through this collectively, but B, all of our distractions have even been taken away from us. And, and I'm sure sports will probably be the last thing to come back. I don't, I don't know. You know, I would think that we are probably headed at, at some point towards a baseball season, maybe at some point towards the resumption of the hockey and basketball seasons. And I think we'll have a football season, but in what form will it all be abbreviated? Will we, will we be playing in empty stadiums 
for a while. That is possible as well. I just, you know, I, I don't know. And, and I think none, none of us do. And that's obviously, um, you know, that's on the back burner. I mean, right now we have to beat this virus. We have to keep as many people healthy and out of the healthcare system as possible. And hopefully everyone is doing what they're supposed to do and socially distancing and being responsible and, and taking this thing as seriously as we should. But in our world, I'm looking forward to when we're going to get games back and I can't wait for the football season. It's March. We haven't had the draft yet, but because we have nothing else to pay attention to sports wise right now, I'm ready for the football season to start. Well, I have to agree with you, Bob, on everything you just said. I think that we all miss sports. You know, you put on ESPN and you're seeing reruns. I, I, I was fortunate. I hit ESPN the other day and I saw the 1985 Chicago bears, 30, 30 show. And it ended up with Buddy Ryan sending out a letter to all of his uh, players. And his last line was, hey, you guys are my heroes. And we all know how that ended for Buddy Ryan. But you know what? We miss the stories coming out of the NFL. We miss the stories coming out of the world of sports. So many people from the world of sports are trying to touch people and give them the right direction in life. And and we're missing that right now because there is a bigger issue that all of us can make a contribution to. And the biggest way that we can is stay at home, stay at home and every now and then, you know, pick up the phone when you when you want to tell somebody uh, how important they are in your life or you just want to check in on them. Pick up the phone and just say, hey, you know what? I was thinking about you today. How you feeling? That's yep. it. And, yep. you know, no combo goes a long way. All right. That's Marty Lyons. I'm Bob Oshusen. Thanks for joining us. The official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. And uh, Jet fans, stay healthy, stay safe. We will talk to you soon.